Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. The plot is basically in my house, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't want it to flood. You know, so, um, you know, after a couple of days, I end up going to get a generator and uh, and, you know, save the day with that, man. And but it was just stressful. It was hot. It was just an inconvenience. Lost all of our food, everything. Uh, washer and dryer went out. I mean, you know, life, man, you know, my car is making noise now. So it's like that's how life does it, man. It just hits you back to back to back. And it's like you can't even catch your breath, man. But one thing for sure, man, is, uh, you know, I was I was born to survive, man. So, you know, we get it done one day at a time but i hope everybody was smooth uh i look at facebook you know you see people at the parks the beaches the pools everybody's you know having a good time man as 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 you should man you know what i'm saying life is definitely to be enjoyed and not to be taken for granted but um today man we got an awesome guest he's coming here to share i've been trying to get him on here for a minute uh, very talented brother i'm um, proud of him and everything that he's got going on i know he's got a lot to talk about a lot to share uh, very inspiring brother and uh without any further ado we got my man gabriel duran brother what's, what's up man oh my bad my guy man welcome to the el nino podcast bro i'm thank happy to have me. you here yeah thank you for having me man excited to be here excited to talk yeah you know? no doubt about it man shit one of the last times i seen you performing was at heart plaza yeah yeah, yeah heart plaza. auto show right yeah I remember that. yeah, yeah, yeah. it was cold it was cold as fuck that day it was so cold <laughs> I was definitely going through it a bit. I remember I was there with my boy Suppy, and yep. I was like, bro, I kept looking back like every like three, four minutes. I was like, bro, it's fucking cold. Like, <laughs> I can't feel my hands. Like there was a few songs I wanted to play on guitar that day, and I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like I'm like, I'm not going to work. I'm frozen. You're a hell of a performer, though. You push through that shit. Thank you. Thank That's you. for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was cool. That's dope, man. So tell the people a little bit about yourself, man, where you're from, where you grew up, all that good stuff. Yeah, so my name is Gabriel Duran. Uh, I'm an artist, producer, uh, born and raised in southwest Detroit, lived there my whole life. And yeah, I just really enjoy creating things, putting things out into the world and bringing people together to appreciate the same things that we're all creating. No doubt about it, man. Uh, what part of the neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up. First, I was brought home to my grandma's house over on Porter Street in the okay. neighborhood, uh, right by Clark Park. And then I moved. Uh, my mom purchased a house a little bit further down Porter Street, closer to like the Ambassador Bridge, like Michigan Central. Okay. That area. So right there. That's cool. Yeah. Right in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right in the heart. Heart of places. Yeah, you yeah. know. For real. <laughs> That's dope, man. So what was life like growing up for you, man? Do you have siblings? No, I'm an only child. The only child. <laughs> yeah, only okay. child. So life was uh life was pretty I don't know, growing up was really quiet sometimes, I'm not gonna lie. I had a <laughs> lot of time I had a lot of time to just like sit there and be by myself. Besides like playing outside every day with like the homies on the block, you know, all of my neighbors, friends. Uh, mm -hmm. There was definitely a lot of times where I, I wish I had siblings around um, mm -hmm. or uh, wish that I lived a little bit closer to like some of my cousins. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, when, when I was over with, you know, my mom's house, the, the cousins were only like two blocks away from there. So oh, that okay. was cool. I got to grow up with my dad's side of the family being like two blocks away from my mom's house at that point so, so. do does do you come from big families like i know a lot of people in the neighborhood come mm -hmm. from big families both on yeah. mother and father's side sometimes yeah i th I, I mean mm -hmm. my dad's family is definitely much much larger than my mom's family my okay. mom's family 
uh it's pretty much always just been like my mom my grandmother it was my grandfather and then more recently my uncle moved back to the u.s with his family so that's another okay. three three people but pretty small but then like yeah my dad's side of the family like they're from they're puerto rican so big ass family is like i got like 40 cousins like yeah 15, i can relate 15 yeah. tias like 10 uncles like yeah, <laughs> all over all over all yeah. over southwest too so yeah, that's dope, man. So, what what is your nationality? You're Puerto Rican. Yeah, so, my on my dad's side of the family, I'm Puerto Rican and Mexican. Okay. And my mother's side, I'm from Chile and uh, Ireland. Man, hey, that's a hell of a like, combination. That's like the, 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 yeah. the, the basic four, I guess, or the simple four, I like to say. <laughs> then I get into it. I'm like, nah, but my grandpa's like Italian, like, you know, like yeah. Czechoslovakian too, like all over the place for real. Yeah. But those are the main ones for real, the ones that I feel the closest to. For sure, mm-hmm. especially in my upbringing, and that's dope. And it's important for you to be able to recognize and and acknowledge all of them because mm-hmm. you know that's your history. That's what you what you come from. That's what you're made up of. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, because some people may feel you know different about you know the cultures that they're made up of. You know what I mean? Or some of them may be ashamed of it or whatever it may be. Yeah. But I mean, you come from some strong bloodlines of survivors. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm no, saying? Strong ties to the, to all cultures. Uh, for sure mm-hmm. um, i definitely yeah. know that i i gravitate towards the chilean ancestry just a little bit more like i'm actually a dual citizenship with um or i have my dual c- citizenship with chile um but okay that's dope. you know i love i love my my puerto rican grandma's food every holiday you know and mm-hmm. in mexican culture is such a beautiful country and and yeah have you so you've been to Mexico? Oh yeah, I've been I've been to Mexico a few times. Um, That's dope. Thankfully, I've been able to go a few times. Been to Mexico City, I think, uh, maybe two or three times now. Uh, okay. San Ignacio once or twice <clears throat> because of my mom's friends, uh, family. They they got married down there, I believe. That's why we went down there. Oh, okay. And That's Durango, yeah, right? San Ignacio. Low key, I yeah. think. Uh, I want to say it is. Maybe or Jalisco. So. I don't know. I'm, oh, uh, might be, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you're you right. Know, they're yeah. showing that I'm not maybe as <laughs> as close to it. But then again, that's not where my yeah, family from. My family, yeah. you know, they're, they're from the FA. So, like, I, I get off by just being able to, like, throw out the Mexico City shit. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not hard to forget, you know. Yeah. Like, that one's easy. But, yeah, uh, Mexico is a beautiful country for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, what similarities or differences is, like, from chile from the country of chile their food their culture is it more similar to like peruvian mexican or does it just its own yeah uh i think definitely there's a a lot of differences between chile mexico and and puerto rico Mm -hmm. probably more chile might have more similarities with peru i'm not super familiar with the peruvian um, culture there are i know that like we both share uh a love for pisco which is like a, a wine or it's like a grape liqueur i believe and um certain foods might be similar too, mm-hmm. uh, but just different versions. Right. Um, but I would say between like Chile and Mexico, they're very different. Uh, the most simple thing being that like the language, uh, the way that Spanish is spoken in the two countries, uh, mm-hmm. different dialects <clears throat> and the food is definitely, I would say I probably prefer Mexican food. I'm not going to lie, except with, with one exception. Like my favorite food in the world is empanadas from Chile. Like we oh, have yeah. empanada, empanada de pino, which is like a ground beef, like, they it's cooked a certain way it's like basically like for every pound of ground beef you have to have two pounds of onions it's like mad cumin black pepper salt and then they're oven baked uh empanadas and that, oh okay man I, my face lights up whenever i get to eat those i know it's lit whenever, up right like, my, now yeah like when my Shit. mom makes them or uh whenever like my my primas <clears throat> make them it's like a moment for real so mm-hmm. yeah. 
That's dope. That's dope, bro. You get to try everybody's food, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So what was it like for you growing up in the neighborhood? Oof. Like, you know, I mean, you're 25. I'm 44. Yeah. Um, experiences are different. Mm-hmm. You know, Southwest is a different Southwest than it was when I was growing up here. You know, um, I, I love where we're at today, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, you know, I know a lot of times, like, the damage that my generation did, you know what I'm saying, kind of um, forced a lot of the mothers to have to restructure how they raise their kids in our community, yeah. you know, um, because when I grew up with in the 80s and 90s, like it was a, you know, gang infested, you know, community, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, eventually, you know, the feds ended up coming through and indicting everybody and cleared out the whole hood mm-hmm. and, you know, left a lot of, you know, young people around with no leadership and left a lot of mothers to raise kids on their own. And, um, you know, a lot of that has, you know, affected, you know, the, the, the generation to come, you know, but I just love the direction and where we're at today. But it's like, what did you have to see, experience and go through to get to where we're at today? Yeah. I mean, growing up in Southwest is definitely such a, a complex experience, right? I think for, for both the generation, you know, before my own generation and even I would say for the generation now is they're experiencing something completely different than I experienced, you know, only in the last 20 years, really. Like if I started mm-hmm. around like five, right? Um, but I think first and foremost, like it's such a beautiful experience to begin with, like growing up in the neighborhood. You know, it's really is that melting pot. Like we have people from everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. um, people from everywhere. And then the moment that, you know, we all start to realize that we all come from like the same place. It, it just helps us like really grow together and get on with you know one another. Uh, definitely those experiences intermixed with, you know, certain voids throughout, you know, all of our childhoods, right? Like you're speaking on like the, your generation, maybe, you know, setting the tone for what would be our experience, you know, with lack of leadership, <coughs> lack of fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's like one thing that like, maybe we all like related to in moments that we didn't really realize. Like a lot of us were growing up without fathers. I grew up without my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's sad at moments, right? Because it, it you feel like you're stripped away from certain things, but then you realize that like the moment you can speak to somebody else about it and they actually understand it, you mm-hmm. know, cause that's something you also, you experience heavy. I think it's the easiest to understand your experience and growing up in your own community. The moment that you take some time outside of it, mm-hmm. because it's then you're having those conversations where you're, things aren't clicking as easy as they might with somebody that's your neighbor or somebody who might've grown mm-hmm. up in the same neighborhood. Cause you're like, you know, what about this or that? And they're just like, they're not getting it. Right. But then the moment you come home and you talk to it, it's like, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling that way. I remember experiencing that in my own, you know, on my own journey to adulthood, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. And I think it did have a, a huge impact on, you know, the, the generations to come, you know, the absence of men, you know, whether they were, you know, killed in the streets or went to prison. Um, you know, some were drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were just rolling stones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, house to house. Some men just were running around just not taking care of their business or their responsibilities and having multiple kids with multiple women. And, um, you know, just for so many different reasons, you know what I'm saying? That there was absence. And then, you know, and then the men that are around you, you know what I'm saying? It's like 
what are their what are they actually teaching you you know yeah. what are you learning from them and it's like you know as a boy you know trying to grow into being you know an adolescent and even an adult it's like you need uh you know a positive male figure in your life yeah. to give you guidance but not only that as you're growing up you're seeking an identity mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like you want to find a connection you know and um you know i i wasn't raised with my father i you know i had a stepdad and you know, a couple of my mom's boyfriends were around, but mainly I had a lot of older cousins and uncles. Yeah. But, you know, everybody was in the streets, though. You know, all my older cousins, I looked up to them. They were all in gangs. They were all gang members. You know, a lot of my uncles, they, you know, say they sold drugs. Everybody yeah. was snorting coke and partying. And, you know, that was a lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, I became a product of that. But, you know, um, you know, I understand uh, how vital it is, though, to have positive male figure, you know what I'm saying, for for a, for a boy, you know, or even at adolescence yeah. to have that type of guidance and, you know, that type of structure that mm-hmm. man to teach you, you know, certain things, you know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you're a young adolescent and you're seeking a connection with male figures, a lot of time you get misguided, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you get abused and misused and, you know what I'm saying, and all that type of stuff. And, and it kind of makes you resent it sometimes. Um, yeah. I had some friends that they had a father, and every time he got off work, he came home and kicked everybody's ass in the house, yeah. always yelling, screaming, slapping the mom around, kicking the kids' asses. And I'm mm-hmm. like, damn, maybe my life ain't too bad without a dad if that's what having a dad is about. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I've seen it so many different ways, but, you know, it's just uh, it, it is unfortunate, you know. Yeah. But like you said, like, uh, there's two things that that you touched on that that resonate heavily with me. Um, like I definitely like I, I'm grateful to have had my grandfather for the majority of my life. Um, fortunately, he passed away uh, about two years ago now. But my grandfather was definitely that m- positive um, male role model in my life. Uh, even in the years where he wasn't living in the United States, I always was able to admire him from afar, you know, look up to being somebody like him, you know, the way that he interacted with community, the way that he looked out for people in the community, the way that he just navigated his own relationships in life, you know, with his friends and especially with his family. I I just, I've always grown up wanting to be like him and then to be able to like love like, like my grandfather. But also, you know, there's that generational gap too, where like it's very evident that like my grandfather is, so far removed from what like i might be interested in you know like i never like i never had a conversation about like women with my grandfather like Mm because it's just like it was that was a disconnect there like it was Mm -hmm. not he came from a you know a a different life experience growing up in chile and it's just not the not the same as like growing up in southwest and being like yo like you know you're attracted to somebody and you like you talk about it a certain way so thankfully i had like older i like to say like older brothers around like demacio being like a a, definitely Mm -hmm. a huge Mm -hmm. um playing a huge role in my life especially in high school like that was my big brother for real like mm-hmm. i i wanted to just like hang out with him all the time just because i thought he was so cool you know uh the way that he dressed the shoes that he bought the music he listened to like huge huge role in my life but another thing you mentioned too was uh the moment where like a lot of women in the neighborhood were kind of forced to raise their children right because of the absence of these fathers Mm -hmm. and i think that might even and i'm trying to make sure that i say this like the right way but obviously everything is evolving constantly right it's a 
the world is constantly in evolution and in many ways i think a, a moment there <laughs> with so many women having to raise these kids in the neighborhood like might be for their it's it's in a weird really twisted way it's just like mm -hmm. women are gentler you know they're more yeah. loving they're they're mm -hmm. tender mm -hmm. they're kind you know they're passionate they're empathetic mm -hmm. they're a lot of things that like yeah unfortunately because of the circumstances growing up in the 80s and 90s men weren't able to carry those characteristics mm -hmm. in a healthy way because it's almost frowned upon yeah like, yo, absolutely you're soft yeah. like you you know like why Crying, why you feel that emotional, way like what you want to like you want to communicate through something like you're bugging yeah. you know a lot of those things are now learned um qualities that people in my generation have because of our mothers you know and mm -hmm. and that makes the neighborhood a, a gentler place a more loving um area and like you see it now like the generation now like they're so they're so smart mm -hmm. like, there's the way that they speak the way that they you know yeah, the way they, that they like look out for one another yeah the way they look out they for support. one another is, is and that's insane. when we lacked you know and that's when men were raised to be warriors yeah. you know what i'm saying like we were you Product know of the raised to they, be strong they, they needed to do even that. the mothers then you know even the single mothers that were raising our generation you know what i'm saying like you know, my mother, she used to make me go fight, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Make me go fight people because she thought that was the right thing to do, you know. to it, You know, it's not always easy for a woman to try to raise a boy to be a man, you know. So they just kind of, you know, take what they were taught or what they yeah. seen. And um, I didn't know how to fight. I used to go get my ass kicked every time, you know, and then come home and get my ass kicked some more because, you know, I got my ass kicked, yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, it was just like that, man. But, you know, it's all growing pains. It was all mm -hmm. part of the process, you know, things that you learn, you know, um, growing up. You know, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the male figures, like I said, man, that, you know, they teach you, you know, you know, violence like that was about being macho, being a man, you know what I'm saying? Having control of your household, controlling your yeah, woman, yeah. control, you know, just having control Very over possessive. everything. Yeah. All that type of stuff. And um uh, that created a lot of trauma, man, and not only within ourselves, but, you know, even for the kids that had to witness that type of stuff, you know, and and what it did to them for those who weren't able to move past that or heal from that and end up repeating that same behavior, mm -hmm. you know. But shout out to the single mothers for real. <laughs> no, for real, for real. But I ain't going to lie, bro. Like, I've seen men like I've never seen men before, like. Seeing, I got I got a few friends. Shout, shout out to my man Julian Cuevas and and all the good fathers out there, man, that are taking care of their business. Oh, yeah. Because you know, I grew up and the majority of us didn't have dads, mm -hmm. you know. And I see a lot of good men out there, bro, like spending quality time with their kids. Like, I, I mean, there's women now; they're leaving the dads and leaving the kids with the dads. You know what I'm saying? No. And the dads are, you know, the roles have yeah, role are reversed. You know. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm happy, though, to see men stepping up and taking care of their business and taking care of their kids, you yeah. know, yeah, for sure, man. But um, so how did you get into where you're at today, like music and mm -hmm. instruments like you named off a whole list of instruments, bro? Yeah. You know what I'm that, saying? That all goes back to my grandfather, for sure. So. So was this your father's father or just no, was your my, mother's this father? my mother's father, okay. yeah. All right. Unfortunately, my, my father grew up without his father also. Um, wow. So I think relatively same age, too. Like, I lost my father when I was, like, a month after my first birthday. Are you serious? Wow. I think my wow. dad lost his father. I don't think 
yeah maybe two the oldest wow so yeah that's crazy man my but yes my my mother's father uh ismael duran he he's the reason why music is my life uh like uh like i said like longing for that role model in your life right my grandfather was not always in the united states he uh he was a touring musician himself uh he's constantly on different tours while i was like growing up so the only thing i really had all the time would be like my grandpa's cassettes and like i had like a little cassette player (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i would just play my grandpa's cassette like all the time like just to hear my grandpa's voice just to have some proximity to him I'd go to bed every night and I played his album. I was just like, that's the thing. That's a, that was my ritual. Every night I'd play my grandpa's cassette to sleep. And back, going back to like, just wanting to be like him, you know, I, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be able to express myself <clears throat> in, in the same way. So looking up to him was definitely the main force, but I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I know exactly what moment I was like, yo, that's the shit I want to do. And uh, my grandpa, we would go to like uh, Best Buy and like they remember they had like the box with like five dollar dvds like four or five dollar dvds one day we go there he's just grabbing some like little speaker or something he wanted from best buy and la bamba was uh in the dvd tray thing and he's like have you seen this and i was like i don't know who, i don't know anything about richie valens grandpa <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about right now he's like we're gonna go home and watch this right now and we watched uh we watched la bamba the richie valens movie and I was like, whoa. Did you love it? I was like, this is crazy. All those girls want to talk to him because he sings. I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> you want to like, be the Richie Valens. I want to be Richie Valens. I want to be just like that. He was just like, they. that movie was so, so dope. Like mm-hmm. the, the way that they just, you know, uh, brought his whole story to to film was, was sick. Um, and it, yeah, it really yeah hit home for me for real. Uh, I, uh, that, after that, like I said, I was just like, All right, I want to play guitar. Uh, and I started learning to play guitar at that point because at that point I had been doing music with my grandfather, mm-hmm. but I was just playing like the cajon, which is like a, a drum from uh, Latin America. And it was all percussion based, like maracas and um, different small little instruments to just give some rhythm to my grandpa's set because my mm-hmm. grandpa played guitar and would sing the songs. So from like seven years old to 10, that's all I would do for music. And I was cool with that until I saw La Bamba. And I was like, no, I want to play guitar for real now. That's dope. So I started learning to play guitar when I was 10. Um, had a, a best friend who we kind of pushed each other to, to learn at an accelerated rate, really, because I, I say this all the time. I feel like I don't practice guitar enough or as much as I should. And thankfully, it's because I didn't put down the guitar for like the first two or three years. Like I slept with the guitar. Literally. Were you playing acoustic like, or? Uh, yeah, I had an electric, electric guitar. Electric? I had an electric guitar, okay. and it was like the only thing that I, I cared about. Like I would go to school, um, do my homework, and then just play guitar for hours. Uh, just the same like four or five. How songs. did you get used to the fingers, bro? That was yeah. One it of took things, me like, I love playing it's, acoustic it's, guitar, yeah. but that shit killed my fingers. And that's like that's where again like we pushed ourselves to just do as much as we could when mm-hmm. like whenever we did, which was every day, right? Because you're like ten, eleven, like. I wasn't really interested in video games. I wasn't. I didn't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to play guitar. So I went home, learned songs, just every song. And and there, your fingers become like they start to get norm. Like mm-hmm. it feels normal at that point. Like you're kind of pushing through the pain, really, because yeah, it hurts like a like it hurts yeah, like a bitch. Yeah, for sure. Like, that shit was not fun. I re- I remember <laughs> like tears. Like it would bring you to tears sometimes because like you really want to play this chord and like you need to learn this chord because if i can't learn this chord then i can't play the song that i want to play mm-hmm. you know so it's like like you're frustrated and frustration builds up and then like you just break down you know 
But yeah, I didn't put down the guitar for like two or three years. Literally, not gonna lie. That was all I did from like 10 to 13. And uh, around 13, you know, you start to change. You start to grow as a person. You know, mm-hmm. you start to look at the world a little differently. Mm, absolutely. Uh, you, you maybe feel like you need to express yourself in different ways. And like maybe you want to write about it, right? That's where I found myself. My man. I fell in I, I fell super hard for like somebody when i was like 13 had like the biggest crush and uh-huh. then it goes like super south so like everybody when something goes south you're just like i want to let it all out so i wrote my first song when i was like 13 14 it's like a heartbreak song it's terrible and i i wish <laughs> i honestly wish i could delete it from the internet forever because i would uh but i can't um yeah wrote my first song when i was and 13 was 14 i don't remember and nobody should ever go look it up for real. Like, <laughs> You're good. You don't even need to do that. Hell no. You, you don't even 13 need. years yeah, old. Yeah, 13. I think I recorded it when I was like 14 and just we could leave it there forever. Like forever. <laughs> 14 cool. forever. Yeah, 14. <laughs> it's gone. Throw it away. But I did the talent show that year too and I sang that song and from there it was kind of like a rush too. That's I think probably the first time I fell in love with like the rush of performing because I had, like I said, I've been performing with my grandpa from like seven years on but never with like that much... Uh, you know, emphasis on like you as an individual and just like mm-hmm. seeing how people reacted. Like, I just liked that a lot. And it, it, you grow to like seek it at that point too. Right. So I, I fell in love with performing that then also. Uh, and then after that, it's really just like a lot more, like I said, like uh, at the time, a collective started meeting in the park on Sundays, a collective called the rise up. And that's a little bit more, that's around the time, sorry, where I, started to become more familiar with like hip-hop in the u.s because mm-hmm. i had grown up listening to hip-hop like my whole life but uh like i said my family's from chile and uh, my uncle is actually a pretty well-known mc out of chile Suverso, and i grew up listening to a lot of political rap uh so a lot oh, of like yeah. conscious like uh social political rap from latin america mexico um and but not super familiar with like the hip-hop that i was somewhat immersed around really i felt like there were moments like back to like the experience of growing up there were definitely moments where i felt like was in a bubble um uh, a cultural bubble really just because like my family is so chilling can be so chilean at times mm-hmm. right and and not very uh even though like i get all of it from my dad's side of the family but like again with his absence you know i see my dad's family on on holidays you know thanksgiving christmas my birthday stuff like mm-hmm. that not always you know there yeah um Whereas if, if I had probably spent way more time, would have been way more familiar with a lot of it. Because, like, obviously I'm familiar with sounds and songs, you know, from mm-hmm. that those times. Like, you, you can't go down Werner, and especially in those years, you know, 2002 to, like, 2006, and not hear something playing on the radio, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, did, did they listen to, like, um, did your grandfather ever listen to Motown or anything? Did he get off into that? Not, like, not American music, or he stayed? No, like, super. So, like, my influences from, like, my grandfather would be, like, uh, Silvio Rodriguez, like, uh, a Cuban singer. Um, Daniel Viglietti, who's a, a songwriter from Uruguay. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, a lot, lot, lot more influence from Latin America, really. Um, okay, that's dope. But those are like let's stand out too, like probably the ones that I listen to the most, I would say. Um, but there's there's so many, and a lot of them even, and a lot of them being my grandfather's friends too. Marcelo Puente, uh, my grandfather himself is uh, as a songwriter, and like I said, my uncle, and then all of my uncle's friends. Did he teach you how to write music, or you just my grandpa would love music? to say that he had no patience to teach me anything. <laughs> uh, like I remember asking him to teach me how to play guitar, and he straight up was like, "I don't have the patience." So. Uh, 
thankfully my grandpa was patient enough to run cultural centers where i could be instructed by an actual you know guitar instructor and obviously you learn from just being around somebody too like i'm not at all trying to say like i didn't learn anything from my grandpa what exactly is a cultural center so um a cultural center out removed from like what we are as an entity i would say is a space where somebody can become more familiar with the culture that they come from you know whether it be through song dance or art visual okay. art and my grandfather has always always curated uh cultural spaces throughout the neighborhood um stemming okay, back from dope. like the 80s 90s the early 2000s and when he came back bef- to finish the last few projects like 2010 and forth but mm-hmm. yeah so we've all, I've always kind of also grown up in like cultural spaces where it's like we have guitar classes going on there are piano classes going on visual art classes dance classes and and you know i i love it i love it and i tell people all the time like you know the first time i ever seen a taco truck was when i moved to east la with my father um the first time i seen like elotes and paletas and you know the copa with frutas like yeah. when i lived in chicago so like i was like man like why do we not have this stuff in detroit mm-hmm. you know because it wasn't here yet and then um you know i ended up going away for 17 years and when i came back I was like, oh, shit, like they're selling paletas, elotes, they got taco trucks everywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. it was really dope, you know. And, like, you know, like I said, growing up in the 90s, like, gangbanging was at, like, that was the lifestyle here Mm -hmm. in Southwest. That was our culture. That was our lifestyle. And that's just, you know, how we lived. And um, and, um, so while I was in prison, I started meeting a lot more Latinos that were coming to the joint you know what i'm saying but they were from the neighborhood and um you know a lot of them were speaking their language a lot of them had a lot of like cali swag with them too Mm -hmm. and um i was like are you guys from cali or what's going on and they're like no we're from southwest bro you know what i'm saying and you know of course a lot of you know the like before i went to prison like there were like no sureños or nothing like that and then you know but over the years i know that you know you know gangs migrate you know just like yeah. they came from chicago they mm-hmm. come from cali texas everywhere else and um and they brought the culture with them the art you know what i'm saying like the only art you ever seen on the wall was people you know graffiti gang graffiti yeah. you know what i'm saying but like living in east la chicago like you see murals. i used to not a lot of murals Mm-hmm. bombers you know that yeah. were just like killing it artistically yeah. we didn't have that part of the culture in our community yeah. yet either but coming home it was like damn detroit like southwest we finally caught up mm-hmm. to everybody else you yeah. know coming home and seeing all the beautiful murals on the walls and you know just like i said just seeing us being active you know and, yeah. and embracing our culture you know to the fullest it was very uh you know, in- inspiring, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for me, I'm not going to lie. It's crazy to think about Southwest without taco trucks. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, mm-hmm. that's like the, that's a, that's an everyday thing if you, if you really want it to, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many different taco trucks to choose from. But, yeah, it, I can't even fathom it, it you know, being a blank canvas. And I'm mm-hmm. sure at one point it was. But now it is good to see all of that. You know, it's especially nice to see all of these families thriving as, you know, small business owners and now being large business owners like Mm. that that's a great great progression and i hope that it only continues throughout the neighborhood and i love it because our people are walking in our own identity you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like you know a deep detroit culture is influenced by black culture a hundred percent you know what i'm saying 
but I that was one of the things that a lot of brothers because I was like damn bro like where did you grow up at and they would say certain parts of the neighborhood and I'm like well you know you went in this gang or that gang you weren't a part of this and they're like no nah, bro like we wanted to do our own thing because they felt like all the gangs then identified to black culture you know what I'm saying through music through dressing through everything you know what I'm saying and they kind of wanted to find the identity of who they were you know a lot of them wanted to be like cholos and and um you know just embrace the whole cali culture and and chicano culture you know what i'm yeah. saying and um and i thought it i thought it was dope you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying because um you know that 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 is our true identity you know but that's what also um, puts us ahead of everybody else is the fact that Southwest is a melting pot of cultures and people from different places and how we are able to um, socialize, you know what I'm saying, and um, build bridges, yeah. you know, that not other people can do. Yeah, people aren't used to that, to be mm -hmm. able to just mix around with so many different backgrounds even when i lived in east la you know in michigan bro we're friendly as hell here hey how you doing good to meet you all that type yeah. of shit you know and you go to cali like bro the, the mexicans they were not fucking with me you yeah. know what i'm saying and and th that was only two races that went to my school you was either asian or you was mexican you know yeah. what i'm saying there was no white people there was no black people it was just and then the out of the asians and mexicans they didn't even talk to each other mm. You know, and me, I'm like, hey, how you doing? They're looking at me like, fuck is you talking to? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, look, wave over here. And they're like, man, don't be waving at me. I'm like, God dang, you know. Like, y'all are ruthless. Get my ass back to Detroit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to say hello. And they're like, oh, you talk black. You dress black. And I'm mm. like, what are you talking about, man? I'm Mexican. I'm, you know, I'm from Detroit. You know, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't make me less Mexican, you know. Yeah, I may yeah. not know Spanish as good as you, but, you know, I... But it, it was just like that. It was a different times, you know. And, you know, a lot of people, they talk about white people always being racist. Like, man, everybody's got some racism in them. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody, yeah. but I mean, like, every culture, every race, everybody yeah. got something to mm -hmm. say, you know. And there was even a point where people were like, oh, Mexicans and Puerto Ricans hate each other. I'm like, no, they don't, bro. Like, you know, we just want to be identified as who we are. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, yeah. I, you know, I don't believe in that hate shit, bro. No, not at all. Especially man. not no self-hate, you know. No, yeah. Yeah, can't hate both sides if you're both right. So, what motivates your music, bro? Like, you got some some dope music. It's uh, you know, it's very uh, unique. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's a unique yeah. sound. And you know, being Latino, you know, making that that good vibe music. Yeah. I love it. For me, it's always been. I guess the method and the approach is always just trying to tie in as many parts of myself into the music. Um, so. Obviously, the content ends up being, you know, lived experiences and or experiences, you know, that you're constantly surrounded by. But starting with just the music, like I, I, I make it a strong point to always bring in um, inspiration from the things I grew up listening to. So like touching back on like the songwriters from Latin America, like the way I play guitar, like I, I don't play a guitar the same way that somebody who grew up listening to you know banda or corrido music like their whole life mm -hmm. you know i don't make or i don't play guitar the way that somebody who plays guitar and listen to salsa and merengue their whole life would play guitar i play guitar the way that i do because of all of the latin folklore that i grew up listening to and what about santana did you ever grow up listening santana's, to santana's yeah santana's like my huge you know one of yes. my i have two guitarists that i look up to um obviously besides my grandpa <laughs> but the the main two definitely carlos santana and randy rhodes so, okay yeah so santana 
obviously a huge influence because of his identity alone too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a Latin artist growing up that you can look up to and be like, you know, I resonate with who he is because I know that culture. And then Randy Rhodes was just sick as fuck, man. That guy was crazy. Like he's Ozzy, he was Ozzy Osbourne's guitar player. I'm going to get the the years wrong, but, and I don't want to, yeah, I was going to say when Ozzy Osbourne was making like crazy music, even though I'm sure he's made crazy music forever but randy rhodes was sick he was a classically trained guitarist who just would shred on on guitar like like nobody else like nobody else for real um but yeah a lot of santana too growing up for sure Mm -hmm. but always trying to just bring in like the influences that i had um growing up and what i listened to really what my mom and like my grandpa was listening to really just the whole family too I, i should say uh, my grandma also sings and plays guitar, so I grew up listening to her playing a lot of the music that she grew up with. And although it may not always translate into the music that I create now, mm-hmm. um, just that presence of somebody always singing. You know, my grandma loved to sing around the campfire. So oh, like we'd have real? campfires in the backyard like all the time just because she would love to just burn some, you know, wood um, whenever she would just be doing like yard work. So we'd sit around the campfire and make some s'mores and my grandma would sing like folkloric music from her upbringing. So trying to bring all of these influences into what I also, like I said, heard around me, which growing up in Southwest, growing up in Detroit, uh, early 2000s, like you're hearing like some of the best R&B music like ever made, some of the best, you know, like hits from like the hip hop genre early on hits. Right. Um, but trying to mix all of that together is, has been the, the goal for the last few years. And I think we, we did a pretty good job on Wish You Well, um, capturing both a sound that is like somewhat relatively familiar because of the the rhythm behind it but then incorporating those sounds that a lot of people are probably not familiar with Mm -hmm. um coming from like the way that i play guitar uh, or the way that i even structure my melodies Um, my melodies are structured to mimic a lot of that music Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it's it's like a game man it's just like tying in pieces from like you know different moments in your life and then like i said you, you the voice ends up being like whatever it was that I went through the year or the time when I was creating it, you know, or what was fresh on my mind. Um, and that can be a plethora of things like that's, mm-hmm. that's a wide range, right? Heartbreak and, and love in general being did like you, the did most you common one. you grow up one. at all listening to freestyle music? Oh yeah. Family? Oh yeah. Okay. So like, honestly, like I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to the album mm-hmm. and to talk about the Absolutely. album. But, uh, I want to drop a freestyle project for Hell sure. Yeah. I want to drop like like I've, I have this approach. That's dope. That I'm like bro, the I'm album happy. is always gonna be that the the mixture of like my influences growing up and and who I am and what my sound what I feel my sound should be and can mm-hmm. be. But whenever we would drop an EP, just know that like we just wanted to make that shit for fun. Like the mm-hmm. Lose Me Now EP, like I was listening to a lot of music that that sounded like that. You know, like some some very dance influences. A lot of like the EDM. Uh, sound scape and uh me and my boy tebow we were just like yo let's just make some of this it was december like we it's cold as fuck outside we're not about to do nothing like we just we were roommates at the time so we locked in like one week and just like knocked out the four songs and like that was the ep i want to do the same thing but i want to try and make some freestyle music just for fun that's dope that's dope freestyle music for sure growing up like yeah, that, and that's heavily sure. coming from like my 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 dad's side of the family, my dad's side of the family, and my godmother. Like I have vivid memories of my godmother picking mm-hmm. me up to just you know either like go shopping with her or just spend the weekend at her house, and 
I knew she was almost at the crib because I could hear the freestyle music like down the street. <laughs> like I just hear the music just like blaring through her speakers, and then she'd like I just run out the door. I'm like, yeah, okay, bye, bye. And, and it's crazy how other people are like, like this is love music, like this is yeah. club music, like you know. And it was like, yeah, I know that that was our music, you know. That's and, something and, I talk about with my boy Tone all the time. Like we're just like, yo, they were bumping this in the club for real, and mm-hmm. it's not like some like. It's not what you would expect to hear in the club. It's like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like it's so music, interesting, but it's like the music's dope. It, yeah, the know? the beat is the beat is always crazy, and then just like the the song or whatever they're singing about is like super relatable. And then I think what the I think the key to freestyle music, if I'm being super honest, is that like they low key can't really sing like the best. Like it's not like the perfect voice, mm-hmm, you know. No. Like it's not like oh this is pitch perfect. Like no, it's like they used to have they're, a high they're, pitch. They're, they're just they feel this. Like you mm-hmm. just you know that somebody was just like making songs probably in the basement type shit, and like they were feeling yeah, what they were saying, yeah. and then they threw a beat over it, and then like mad reverb and, and a few little effects here and there, and it's like it goes, it's it's out, it's out of here. So yeah, that's dope. I want to do that. I want to do. Excited, I want to just go bro. and just like come up with some like super relatable just very simple you know like you broke my heart and this is how i feel like something like mad basic and 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 just over a freestyle beat because it's like we need to get back to like love music you know what i'm saying because so much of the music today is just a reflection of just violence and murder and drugs and you know just you know i i just the other day i was uh on my way to work and i was listening to um a Marvin Gaye, Al Green, one of them mm-hmm. old school songs. And I was just like, man, you just don't hear music like this anymore. You know, even in the R&B, like, you know, it's very sexual and all that. But like just a good old man just singing to a woman, yeah. baby, I love you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? With all my yeah. heart, all my soul type, you know. And man, I'm like, I was I was listening to this song. I've been playing it a lot. I also do this thing where like I I... People will be like, what do you listen to? They'll ask me a lot. Like, what do you like to listen to like now? Like now what I grew up listening to. And I tell them, to be honest, I, it, I, it's funny. And I know you're not going to believe me when I say it, but like, I don't really listen to music. Like I don't really, I kind of like, it's hard to, I don't know. I, it's hard to not feel like I want to get super influenced by something uh, mm-hmm. after hearing it. But obviously I listen to music, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I drive around listening to music. But the thing is, I'll find something and I will wear it out. Like, I will listen to that song for a week straight. Like, mm-hmm. I'll have, like, 10 songs. Like, I listen to 10 songs a week. And mm-hmm. those are the 10 that I'm just, like, in deep study with. And a song that I, I'm pissed that I'm not going to remember the name. I left my phone, like, over there. But it's a song called Volveras. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Like, the whole song, he's just like, I did you wrong, but, like, I, I, I love you in mm-hmm. these many ways. And, like, I need you to take me back. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, that uh, transparency and, like, that just, like, being super, like, uh, what is it? being super um vulnerable like when mm-hmm. like yeah like this generation doesn't really want to be vulnerable like it's not cool to like mm-hmm. it's not cool to let you know that like my heart is is broken because mm-hmm. i'm not spending every night with you anymore and why do you think it's like that though like why do you think society reached that point i i mean i felt like um i had started a youth program when i was in prison and i just noticed there was a huge disconnect between the youth and adults and you know a lot of the you know guys that i used to talk to they were just like you know, my mom, my dad, they do drugs, they do heroin, they do crack, they buy crack off me, they buy drugs off me, my aunts, my uncles. So they felt like, you know, those kind of adults that they were around, so they didn't really have respect for adults, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And um, 
you know, I just I just think that, uh, you know, that was really unfortunate because uh, they didn't even want to hear what what, you know, adults had to say. Now, I mean, it was different with me and them because I was able to build a bridge and show them that, you know, I'm not I'm not what they're used to, you know, as an adult, Mm -hmm. you know, and as a male figure. I think I think a lot of it nowadays stems from like the need to feel validated and be seen, really. Uh, I think you spoke on like trauma even, you know, and and Mm -hmm. through trauma, um, you can have a lot of moments where you're pretty absent, right? Like you don't realize that that time is passing around you, right? Years, days, hours, they go by much quicker when you're living through a traumatic experience or when you're trying to cope with um, life after a traumatic experience. So with that being said, it's like if a lot of our parents carry all of this trauma, and and mm-hmm. we're growing up and like they're doing their best to raise us you know they're providing with us they have, they give us a roof over our heads food on the table and you know as much love as they're able to give too mm-hmm. but we can't say that like sometimes we might not be still through all of that we might still not be feel seen by our parents or we not might not feel validated in the ways that we need that and then you get to mm-hmm. a point where it's like okay well you go and watch tv or you go and watch you know mainstream media and and a lot of us grew up consuming media because we were that first generation that had it at our fingertips and we weren't it wasn't like filtered in in the best of ways so what do you see like when you go online like what's 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 propelling people to the top it's like money drugs chains all that shit so what do you do you want to mimic it right Mm -hmm. it's like i need to get that i need to be just like that in order to feel seen by the world in order to feel validated by by everybody else in society i need to be just like that and that's i mean that's my guess on how it stems you know that because there's like all of that comes with so many toxicities and those toxicities mm. are adapted by trying to live like that that you you're gonna inherit all of that toxic energy by trying to just go after things that may not truly be you i i think what it is is a lot of people are feeding the flesh you know mm-hmm. society we eat with our eyes and yeah. we're feeding the flesh the exterior what people look at you know and yeah. a lot of people are harboring the true self the true identity of who they are you know just so you know everybody is like going out of their way to be different mm-hmm. even to the point where they're embracing being weird you know what i'm saying like i like being weird i want to be different like that might not be who you're supposed to be, you know? That or even like, and this is like, like my mom always talks about rabbit holes. And I, the older I get, the more I resonate with that phrase. Because like you say that, right? Like everybody being in love with like the exterior and, and feeding off of that. It's like also everybody be trying to like sell themselves too. You know, like mm-hmm. every every single person is trying to sell something about themselves. And it's like, we don't, what we fail to realize is like, when do you turn that off? If you're constantly trying to, like, promote yourself, if you're constantly trying to build yourself as a brand, it's like, then when do you have time to just be a person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when do you have time to just sit down and, like, it's going to sound crazy, but, like, when do you just sit down in the grass? Like, when do you put your feet in water? When mm-hmm. do you, you know, I like to go on walks a lot, mm-hmm. man. Like, my thing is is walks. Like, outside of, like, therapy and regular forms of therapy, my therapy, my best therapy is going on long walks. And I walk through the neighborhood and I, I do, I put my headphones on. I listen to those 10 songs. No, I listen to whatever <laughs> I'm feeling. A lot of times when I go on the walks, I listen to like the early influences, right? So like mm-hmm. a lot of the oldest stuff that I just remember growing up listening to. And I walk for like two, three hours, like every day. That's how I start my mm-hmm. day. I get out of bed. I force myself on the walk right away because I know like 
as soon as my eyes open, I have to go put my shoes on and just walk. I'll go to bed wearing shorts and like something that I feel comfortable walking in throughout the neighborhood. And then, and does it enhance your senses? Like just walking, like if you were to just stand in the middle of Werner yeah. and close your eyes, you know, you can hear the traffic, yeah. you can smell the food, you can smell the bakery, you can hear kids, you can hear, you know, noises, you know what I'm saying? Like Definitely, I mean like... Like tuning you, in, just really tuning in yeah you know, i think it enhances my sense of self without a mm -hmm. doubt my sense of self is heightened when i consistently go on these walks but yeah like you're way more aware like walking around like and obviously like still like the neighborhood has changed right but it's still the neighborhood like you know like you like i'm not necessarily just walking down verna the whole time like i go and i go throughout my little pathway here and like mm -hmm. i'd be i'd be goofy to not be you know mindful of like the block that i'm on at that moment right mm -hmm. um but and then, the sense of self is really the takeaway i would say because like, after those walks, it's just refreshing. It's like everything that I may have gone to sleep overthinking, everything that I may have been struggling to um, work my way out of uh, mentally mm -hmm. is now gone. Like it's now like for me, I have to see things in motion around me. So like I'm going on these walks and and when I'm overthinking the things at night, right, I'm in a room. I'm in my room. I'm in one place. I'm in a house. I'm in four walls. I'm surrounded by four walls and like. I don't see. It's hard to see outside, literally, right, in that moment. Like, you can't see further than those four walls, right? But when I'm on the walk, I'm thinking about it, and I'm just like, yeah, like you say, I hear the cars. I see the senora watering her flowers. Mm -hmm. You know, I walk past the taco truck. I, I, I'm at a red light. I see this person that I know. This person honks and waves mm -hmm. at me, you know? Um, that's you grounding. Yeah. But also, it's allowing me to just remember that, like, man, a lot of the most problematic shit is super temporary and mm, you can move absolutely. past it the moment that you're able to see outside of the four walls that you're stuck in mm -hmm. so. you know a lot of people today um have become very anti-social bro you want to grab us a couple oh, waters please my you mind? Sure. thank you brother thank i appreciate you, you. um what the hell was i just saying god damn no 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 you're good <laughs> um anyways whatever but it's it's just a different experience when you're actually tuned in taking walks is great you know what i'm saying mario thank you brother You're appreciate welcome. you thank you homie. legal aliens finest right there For real. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's just another feeling you know what i'm saying to be tuned in with your environment you know what i'm saying and just you know taking walks it's good it's healthy but you get to know your community you get to mm -hmm. know you know your neighbors your people you know the young we get to see where the kids are the elders yeah. are at you know and all that type of stuff you know i just um you know, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I just wish that, you know, with all the progress that we made, I'm so proud of the progress that we made in our community, but it's still like we have so many structural poverty. Like, you go to suburbs, you don't see beat up streets and roads and, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, man, we got all these speed bumps in the neighborhood now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just, we got potholes and you just see so many different parts of the neighborhood that are not, you know, that are just inhumane treatment. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's not, you know, it don't necessarily come from us. That was just the structure of the environment yeah, that we're placed in. It's all intentional in. at times, too. And it's like, like you know, how do we like fix that? Like, how can we correct that? Like, why do they have it nice over here? And mm -hmm. why do we got to you know live like this over here you know i definitely think we're on the right path for those things to come like going touching back on uh just a lot of these small businesses you know that stemmed from like 
first floor home shit you know like oh this house sells birria on the weekends that mm-hmm. house has um that house is selling Caribbean food on the weekend. Those things now having brick and mortar locations in the neighborhood, right? So now these homes that started their small business now have property in the neighborhood where they've they're successful, right? And like hopefully we can replicate that and duplicate that more instead of just allowing all of these entities from outside of the neighborhood to just come through, buy up property, some of them sit on it, and then some of them place shit that has absolutely nothing to do with the community that it, that they've bought this place in, right? So hopefully the small businesses thrive in order to make sure that we're the ones that are investing that money back into the neighborhood and keeping our dollar within, you know, Southwest. So Mm -hmm. it's like when, yeah, the roads are bad. It's like they're not going to, the city's not coming through to make the roads better for all of the people that are about to move into the neighborhood. No, like they, we're at a point where like, you got to come make sure that these roads are good because like that business is thriving. That business is thriving. Mm -hmm. And like, we deserve better, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, because my car is making noises that I never heard before. And it's like, man, I had a nice car. It was nice and quiet and just, you know, just working in the neighborhood, doing outreach work, doing everything that I do. You're either going over a hill, a bump, a hole. It's always something. And I'm like, man, like, you know, I, think that you know with all the progression and all the growth and everything that we had to overcome to get to where we're at today you know what i'm saying i would like to see some structural growth and some structural change in our community yeah. you know what i'm saying and i think like i said i think it's coming um it's just it's we really got to make sure that we're the ones that own the majority of the neighborhood when that time comes you mm-hmm. know because but that comes that comes with um with you know we got a lot of people who are financially illiterate bro you know what i'm saying we got a lot of people who don't understand how to save money or how to even think about a future or make plans or goals because you know when you come from impoverished communities bro like i i you know i i nobody raised me to and taught me the value of you know education and graduating like uh, i'm i i am like blown away by all the People who are just graduating mm-hmm. left and right. You look on Facebook, everybody's graduating. And that is like such, such a, you know, a great, a great feeling. Great thing, yeah. And like when I was growing up, bro, like nobody was like really graduating mm-hmm. or anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we were going to prison and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's just to see how it is now and how much, you know, has been accomplished and how much has changed in a positive um, direction, bro. I just, I'm so admirable of it. I'm so happy for yeah. it, you know, yeah. because, you know, we, we, we are civilized, yeah, think, you know what no, I'm saying? Southwest is in a beautiful place, and, and it truly is only going to get better, for mm-hmm. real. How do you feel about so many Latino families living downriver now, like Lincoln Park, River Rouge, E-Course, you know? You like, know, I, I don't have, like, I have no bad feeling towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, in some ways I would say that it's sad because a lot, many of them have been displaced as a mm-hmm. result of like gentrification as a result of you know uh and people intending to like homogenize our neighborhood and make it all one of mm-hmm. the same which is like an influx of people with wealth right people with money coming in buying places for 10 times what they might normally cost but it's only because like now the city as a whole is in a better place right uh but also i think something that's really dope about the influx of latinos down rivers you, that you know you like you said southwest kind of being a, that blank canvas like it's accelerated there now mm-hmm. like you go down river and there's mad mercaditos like mad taco all establishments it, yeah. like all of it right and all they've kind of like done that at a at a rate that is much faster than 
the way that it probably played out in the neighborhood now that I'm mm-hmm. coming to learn that, you know? Uh, but I get it. I, I think I, that's I really the it. only thing I can say is like, I get it, you know, like shit mm-hmm. in the neighborhood's not cheap anymore. Like I, I definitely would like feel hurt having to rent in the neighborhood right now. Like I know the rent prices in the neighborhood are stupid. There's you could probably find like, something cheaper in River Rouge. Yeah. Like I got grandfathered in into this apartment downtown, um, the year after the pandemic, I stayed there for about like a year and a half. And like that shit, I was paying, I was paying $400 for an apartment that was like downtown. It made no sense. And like, that was the only reason I went there. Cause like, if I would have paid what like the people literally across the street were paying, the people across the street were paying 3,500 a month. Like I man, like I lucked the I lucked the fuck oh out, my man. Because like yeah, who has that bread? Damn, like, bro, I mean, that's like, damn, crazy. Like these rabbit holes. Because like I'll go and talk about who has the bread and like how messed up it is that like that's happening. But yeah, it's all it's all rocket mortgage. It's all quick and loans. Like fuck all that. <laughs> like I get it. Because like then it's like then you're gonna have people that's like you know they provide a job opportunities for like people in the neighborhood. And, like yeah, that's cool. But like what's the job? Like the job is to go and fuck over people that can't pay their house. That's terrible. You feel me? Like so. So what's the what's the real result? But uh, yeah, we could talk music. (laughs) We could talk. Let's talk about your new album, bro. Bet yeah. Let's talk about the new album. Let's talk about Southwest Fest. Hell yeah. Ah man, when's the new album coming out? What's it called? What what's what inspired you? It's crazy to be able to say that the album comes out in four days now. Like okay, that's something that for the last two years has just been like a an unknown right uh, i've been telling people for the last few weeks now that the day's been approaching uh it's a little surreal to think that it's finally dropping after such a long time uh just because like i said the last two years is like the first thing i would think about is like when is this actually gonna come out like how are we gonna put it out um, how am i gonna afford to put it out the way that i know it needs to be put out you know how am i gonna find the time to make sure that i can put a plan into place to make sure that this music succeeds and it's not just like a drop you know, it's not just like, oh, here's 14 songs. And if you want to listen to them, listen to them. No, mm. it's like, here's 14 songs. And if you haven't heard them yet, you're missing out, you know? Uh, That's dope. But, but yeah, four four days. We're four days away from the release of 23. And what's the name of the album? Yeah, 23. 23, yeah. okay. It's written in Roman, uh, Roman numerals, Roman numerals kind of the same yeah. way as like this tattoo here. Mm-hmm. Um, but 23, in essence, for me, has been a, a number that's been quite prevalent throughout my life. Uh my father lost his life when he was 23. My mother was born on the 23rd. And there are numerous moments throughout my life where the number 23 just kind of fell into my lap. Um, it's kind of like an angel number, right? In some ways, it feels like that. And there's been moments where it was very, like, weird and felt, you know, like a little mm. uncomfortable to be like, why is it that I quite literally like the smallest of things man like i'll sit down in a random ass restaurant that i've never been to in my life i look over and like the booth number is 23 and like when i say that i have numerous moments like that like mm-hmm. my whole upbringing too? uh so it's yeah a little freaky and then 717 is my 717 i've seen it my whole Everywhere. life it always never, follows you uh, everywhere yeah. license plates yeah. anywhere like you said mm-hmm. i just i i've always but i never knew why you know i thought am i crazy do other people see these numbers freaky when i came home somebody was like oh that's an angel number Mm -hmm. you should look it up you know and i was like damn that's a real thing like wow that's crazy but yeah yeah. like i I said with my father losing his life at 23 and my Mm -hmm. mother being born on the 23rd and then you know back to my grandpa probably the, the most influential and honestly besides my mom the most important person in my life uh i lost him when i was 23 and 
And we're this, in the year of 2023. This and now, yeah, and then to to finally get mm-hmm. to the point where like the album is ready to come out and to drop 2023 is kind of cool. Uh, but the album as a whole is my 23rd year of life, also. So everything that we talk about in, in the album are moments from being 23 in this world. You know, okay. Uh, what was life like for me at 23? And that you hear it in many ways because I lost my grandfather. Maybe let's see. April to October, um, six months, right? So quite literally half a year of being 23 and then half a year of grieving my grandfather's uh, death. It's tra- it translates to the music. The music is, uh, is, a, is quite literally that journey. Um, I went to prison when I was 23. Right. Got out so when I was 40. 17, oh. 17 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So long. That's 23, a long time, though. Right? Crazy. But yeah, so the album, the album twenty three drops in four days, and yeah, it's it's crazy. I, honestly, sometimes I, I'm not even sure how to really like. Do you have any features on it, or is yeah. it just all you? No, no, no. We have uh, we have quite a few actually, which is you know, wish you well. When we dropped wish you well, we had two features on it, and I think this right now we have uh, three. We have three features. Uh, we have Lucien Dam, who is an artist from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And we have Kemba, who's an MC rapper from the Bronx in New York. And it's a full circle moment for myself, but my uncle's actually featured on the album, too. Oh, and that's one of the so last dope. Songs. So Suverso from Santiago, Chile, uh, is on the four, 13th track on the album. That's but, sweet, dog. Yeah, I'm and that, that was like, that was literally the finishing touch on the album. Kind of, we didn't, I didn't get that verse until maybe two months ago. So, yeah, it's finally done. It's finally dropping everywhere. Um, just to, to get to, like, how it all started. Like I, like I mentioned, I lost my grandfather October of 2021. And I, I, I felt I was crushed, man. Like, I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to somebody about it today, actually. I, I just now really starting to feel like I'm kind of back to, to where I was prior to his death. Um, but the month after that, the, the, the year really after that is, is such a blur uh, for me to look back on but i needed to i needed to grieve and i, I knew that i needed to feel surrounded by like love mm-hmm. and obviously i had my family you know we grieved together through all of it but uh i also needed to like just create and and i wanted to be around people that i knew had you know a lot of love for me so mm-hmm. i told some of my closest friends uh some of my favorite artists from the city as well um some of my favorite producers i was like yo i'm doing this writer's camp for my next album second week of november if you can make it like this is these are the dates uh this is the location like if you can make it pull up and we had people come from new york we had people come from chicago we had somebody come in from houston uh pulled up to get to work on the album and then all of the homies that live in detroit also present and i think the most people we had in the room in those five days because it was five days we created the album in in five days back in 2021 the demos the demo versions two years of sessions followed um but the demos were created in five days and i think we had like 20 people in the room at one point and it literally was just a party like every night like it, it looking back and it's kind of funny that like you know i'm over mm. here like you know it was to grieve and to be surrounded by people i love but in many ways like you know obviously still coming from the neighborhood like that was that was the coping mechanism at the time was to you know be in a one room with all my friends making music loud as fuck because like the building that we made it at, there's nobody around it for real. There's like one house across the street, but they're not going to hear much if we're really loud. Mm-hmm. And 
we uh yeah we partied and made music for like and that's one 10 thing about straight. and that's one thing about our culture is you know even in death like we celebrate it you know mm-hmm. we celebrate the life and and um you know i mean for me personally i feel like you know we go to a spiritual world where we still you know they, we taking care of things down here they take mm-hmm. care of things up there uh, I feel like our loved ones uh, still live through us, mm-hmm. you know, Every day. the music, yeah. the inspiration, all the things that he's taught you, the lessons, um, all that still exists, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, you know, and their presence is here. I'm sure there's times where you feel his presence, oh, you know, yeah. whether it's in the music or, yeah. you know, just on your day to day endeavors, you know, he's always definitely I know he's always here with me and. And that was a cool thing too. A lot of the people in the room, uh, you know, had had a, had a lot of you know admiration for my grandfather. So being able to like step outside every now and then to just like have conversations, like sidebar conversations when creating, with people that are like you know either OGs to me or just like big brother figures too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was the that was definitely the the coping part, the best or the the grieving and, and learning you know how to like work through this grief. Uh, so I'm super grateful for that whole week. Like I said, it was five days and, you know, these are like 10, 12 hour sessions that we just back to back, just back to back. And, and, you know, like the conversations, creating, recording, hype, being hyped that like we just made this and it already sounds like, you know, some shit that nobody's. Who does your beats? So that session, the, sorry, that writer's camp, we had uh, all the producers in the room, my, my, my boy, my brother, Thibaut Roland. He's he's my executive producer for everything. So anything that has ever been released by me and the, over the last three years has been touched by Tebow, and and he takes the majority of the of the producing uh, role. Okay. Uh, but Tebow was in the room. The homie Jay Cribs, um, with the homie Brian also is another producer from the neighborhood. He's super talented, and we had um, the homie Judson Ronham was in the room producing as well i want to make sure that i remember everybody um and then the homie richard who flew in from from houston because he had just moved out to houston at the time too uh those were the main producers uh, during the the writers camp and then a lot of songwriters were the homies also so like extremely grateful for kemba who's like a big brother to me from the bronx uh, for the homie Luss, who's also like an OG, a big brother figure in my life as well. Um, Rebel Diaz, which is a, a duo of brothers from, they grew up in Chicago and in, in New York, but they're really from Chile as well. Uh, okay. that's a, so that's yeah. a family connection, but also like a connection here, the U.S. Uh, they were also in present at different moments too, because we started in, in Detroit, but then we did have to take a trip to other two other cities to finish the album. We took a trip to New York to finish for one week, and then we took a trip to Grand Rapids for the weekend okay. to finish also. And that's Grand Rapids is, you know, shout out to my boy Gordo uh, for holding it down throughout the whole two years. This whole time he's just been the one person. I mean, everybody in my ear about the music and getting it together. And There's a lot of Latinos in Grand Rapids. Man. Yeah, yeah, heavy, heavy population yeah, of Latinos for in Grand Rapids. Real. And I was not super aware to it until... Gordo and I became like super close. That's like my that's my right hand for it. That's my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. I want to make sure I remember everybody uh, in the room. But yeah, a lot of people came through that yes, week. That's good. Uh, the homie Rico Waves was also there too. Helped out with one of the tracks on the album as well. That's my guy, man. Yeah, Rico's cool people. Um, 
sick if I'm forgetting names, but a lot of people, a lot of people worked on this album and, and it shows, it translates in the music, man. Cause, uh, this shit, I'm not going to lie. I've, yeah. Ah, I haven't heard anything like it. That's uh, dope. And that it it, it really has, I haven't heard anything like it, but also it's, it's so, such a, it seems like such a, an advanced version of what the sound that we tried to create on Wish You Well, mm. which I'm grateful for. Cause it's like, I knew exactly what we were trying to get to with Wish You Well and, and T1 and I, Mm. did that whole project together because also like i play throughout the whole thing like i there are songs that i did drums on there's songs that i've done all the instruments on um mm-hmm. but wish you well was just me and tebow in the room you know we had like few producers just help out with small little um, mixing notes and things like that but tebow and i put together wish you well together over the summer but with this project it's like having this team of extremely talented individuals um like kind of just coming together to put one project together it's like we we were able to just take a huge leap like you know wish you well was crazy and like mm-hmm. we did we did our thing with that but like this because project you got a team of people yeah, who have just, your best interests at yeah. heart they're bringing their creativity yeah, they and want they it know to be they successful. know what because also like these are people that and you they know, believe in you and your yeah talent. they exactly they you know they believe in the music that we released and they they understand what we were going for also so it's like these people aren't they're not getting into this room and like writing songs as if it was them. They're writing songs as if they were, you know, how, okay, how can I hear Gabe sing this song? Or what can I hear Gabe saying over this, you mm. know? And then like, that's exactly how the songwriting process goes. Do you goes. do features? Yeah, yeah. Do you? Myself? Okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah, no, I'll do features. I'm super yeah. like, I'm really particular about them. I'm not mm. going to lie. Uh, but that's also just because I don't want to just, you know, oversaturate myself and just do hop on every other song yeah i'm sure there'll be moments where like i'll do more features than than i have done thus Mm -hmm. far in the journey but uh i'm way more likely to hop on a feature if i like i'm super drawn to the sound you know so if there was an artist that you could do a collab with who would you want to collab with right now like locally or just in general in In general just in general whoever man such a hard question i'm not gonna lie if I could collaborate with anybody right now, I'm not even, I don't know if I, I could say, if I want to say just like one artist, I would love to make music out in France, Spain, or in London. So like different, different, um, different reasons. Like London, the, the grime scene in London mm-hmm. and UK overall is, is crazy. And, and like the, the, yeah, that UK drill grime, those instrumentals are sick. Like I, I just, I listen to that probably a lot more than anything else that's probably my favorite genre Dimashio say he had a good time out there yeah, yeah out, in, out in europe yeah, out yeah. In europe and he said they're getting ready to go back for another yeah, going, tour yeah, man fall, I, I said man that is so dope yeah. and then taking your talent your music mm-hmm. out there and promoting it and ex- exploiting it you know what yeah. i'm saying like that's really dope man yeah yeah Shout out to the culture creators, man. Them boys be doing their thing over yeah, there, doing, man. They, they Got much love. Good program with that. That's super, it's mm-hmm. super dope. Shout out to Reyes and DJ EJ. Yeah, EJ's the homie for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's my he done grew. Shit, I met him. He was just you know making jerseys, doing mm-hmm. his thing. Now this guy's a DJ and he's. Got all mm-hmm. kinds of shit going on. Shit, I seen him DJing in front of the Eiffel Tire Tower. I'm yeah, like, yeah, that oh, video was shit. sick. Yeah, with his little, he has that camera that like goes on the stick and you yeah, can like see everything. Yeah. I was yeah. like, man. Yeah. So let's talk about Southwest Fest. It's coming up, bro. Yeah. Southwest. Damn. Let's see. We're probably it's the 31st, so we're 20 days away now. 20 days away from the third uh, edition of Southwest Fest. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, it's gonna be a great time, man. I I'm love it, lie. bro. I've this been year to we the have last two. Artists. Yeah, forty-five artists this year. Damn. Uh, I think like hundred and ten vendors. Shout out to Idalis on the the vending team. Shout out to the whole team as a whole. You know, my boy Tone, Rebecca, um, Niaja. My mother also plays a huge role in helping us put together the festival. Uh, shout out to everybody, Natalie, uh, Viri, Diana. Um, mad people come together to put this event together mm-hmm. for the neighborhood and yeah thankfully because of the last two years i think people really get it now you know Man, people really understand dog, it people it some of the yeah, dopest events it's grown I've to ever be been to, it's grown bro. to be something truly you know iconic and special and i'm i'm glad i'm grateful that it's become that um because it all started with the the void right mm-hmm. it all started with the lack of that uh we you know, there's a always community a, and yeah, unity, community, but also just like, you know, something that is just strictly for community, you know, like there's mm-hmm. no like there's no, no, there's no ticket, man. Like there's no like I don't need to make bread off of this. Mm-hmm. I don't need to. It's more the it's rewarding the, just to yeah, see it's everybody rewarding to see everybody there and to see that this is um needed. It's it's rewarding to see. That's dope, bro. Yeah, That's it's rewarding dope. to see that. You got to like, have a certain kind of heart to do shit like that. It's know? way more rewarding to know that like there's people being influenced directly by something or sorry right in front mm-hmm. of your eyes right like mm-hmm. you know all these kids that are coming to the to southwest mm-hmm. fest and seeing people from the neighborhood that look like them and people are always you know? trying to capitalize on how they can profit from yeah, it and like i get it because like that's Some you know that's the world we live in that's priceless the world we live in. you know like, people got bills man like and i can't mm-hmm. i don't want to knock that you know? no hell I don't no knock shit like, we all need some pay. money yeah like everybody's got to make bread it's just i think that we don't need to put a ticket on an event that is for the community because if we really want to make bread off of it, this shit will grow to the point where we can make sure that we're sourcing the money from people that can afford it mm-hmm. in order to put it on for free and then we can still pay ourselves. We can break off bread. But I personally don't feel like I need to charge you $10 for you to come and witness the culture that you live around every day. <laughs> That's right. You feel me? That's right. Like, I don't, I don't and need it's, it. And all the vendors are from the community. All the yeah, performers everybody. are from the community. Yeah. I love it, bro. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, absolutely dope. And just, the uh, you know, just the variety mm-hmm. of vendors that you had, um, you know, shout out to Natalie Rivera. Yeah. She's a dope artist. Juliana San Roman. Yeah. She's an out code artist. They both, um, they both, I put mean, the festival together too, man, bro. Yeah. They, they, uh, you know, I, I, I love, I love their artwork, mm-hmm. their creativity They're of just the talent, people. the artists. I mean, just everybody's hustle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For, it doesn't matter, you know, what you out there vendoring, selling. Like, uh, I just think it's dope. You know what I'm saying? It was a dope experience. Every time I went there, it's been slapping. It's been yeah, packed inside, outside, both sides. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie. Like, so, like, day of the festival. for, And that's that's why I'm, like, super grateful that this year, you know, trying to take a step back from even performing myself at the festival because running around is crazy the day of man i know there's only been a few moments where like i've been able to just like plant both feet and just like look around and and truly like bring in what's coming Mm -hmm. in because like i'll be honest like the reason why i know the festival's uh, success and like why it's you know grown to be what it is now in its third year is because i hear so many people talk about it afterwards right Mm -hmm. it's really like i said it's really hard day of to really like take all of that in to like like I said, just plant my feet, look around and be like, damn, there's 3,000, 2,500 people here mm-hmm. throughout the day. You know, there's mad people here. There's Is Baby we Bell just, performing too? This year? No, not yeah, this year. Okay. She performed last, last year. year. Yeah, she, she performed did, yeah. last year. Yeah, She killed it too. Yeah. Very interesting performance. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But um, the, the festival has grown to be something that, you know, it shows it's an organic growth. 
really mm-hmm. right so we're we're really grateful as a team for it i, I love it yeah, i love being a excited, part of it very excited but to see where it, it goes i understand because i just had a el nino podcast summer mm-hmm. bash at the dhdc and bro i didn't get to enjoy none of the festivities i didn't eat no food mm-hmm. i didn't have no drinks i didn't that's buy shit us. from none of the vendors because yeah, i'm us. so busy hosting and running around and making sure everybody's got what they need and they're yeah. good and i'm jumping in the dunk we, tank uh, we had a and meeting i'm hosting all the, act, we uh, like, all the performers we need to make sure we eat this year and i'm like <laughs> damn i didn't get no I, we had the hibachi truck there mm-hmm. elephant ear truck we had mia's uh media tacos we had a. Uh, uh, Mexico Cocina and I'm like I didn't get a taco nothing this whole time yeah. here I even uh, shout out to Sun Secret man they're one of my favorite vendors because they got all the croc charms and shit yeah, I yeah. love for my little crocs <laughs> but um I'm like, damn, I, I specifically wanted them here so I can go buy some croc charms mm-hmm. for me and my grandson. And uh, I didn't even have time to go do to that. I yeah, know, man. Yeah. It was terrible. I feel you. Shout out EJ's mom because that's the one place I get to eat every day, at, <laughs> every year at the festival. And it's always because like, she's normally right next to the, the Coney stage. So like I'll run back there to make sure that everything's okay at that stage. And like yeah. she, she can see it because she's just like, she just hands me a plate with like a taco on it. Yeah, because like, no, you're on last year when you. I see I'm yeah. like, what up, bro? And you're just... Bro, it's always just like yeah and like i feel bad for that too because like it's like you know i know a lot of people want to you know have a conversation with me and like talk to me Mm -hmm. especially the day of the festival but yeah it's like i gotta go i'm yeah you're you're the organizer i'm trying to i'm trying to make sure that everything for the sound is going down well and that's you know that's not just me it's like like i said at dallas with the vendors like she doesn't stop like we tr- we look at our steps at the end of the day of the festival and like over here like forty thousand steps you know forty five thousand steps day of because it's just mm-hmm. nonstop from like six in the morning to four in the morning when the after party is done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the end yeah. of the day, like we gotta celebrate too ourselves. But so I, you know, I was I was very inspired by the uh, you know by your events that you throw, and I was like, mm-hmm. damn, it's dope. And I've kind of uh, you know collaborated into my own events um i had my first year uh, el nino podcast reunion where i invited you know the whole community but you know also everybody that had been on my podcast and uh you know it was really dope really good turnout i gave out you know little trophies awards yeah. things like that That's dope. and um but i'm like man my birthday like every time i celebrate something it's always in the winter it's always in december and i'm like man i want to do something in the summer like i want to have some summer fun too (laughs) so i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna throw a summer bash Mm -hmm. you know and uh you know it was really dope and and more so than anything like i love what you do for the community and how you bring you know all the people together but I wanted to be able to do that with my generation. Yeah. And um and mission and the mission was executed, bro. Like yeah. I was able to bring all of my generation of people. I'm talking about everybody from, you know, different parts of the neighborhood, different gangs, everything. And everybody was there for one purpose, and that was just to you know, celebrate life, celebrate community. I made sure it was family friendly so there was no excuses that people couldn't come because they got kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got face painting. We got bouncy yeah, houses. Like it's, I heard about the dunk tank. Right? The dunk tank was like the one of the dopest features. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We had the uh, hood celebrity dunk tank. So yeah, we yeah. had a lot of people who came in and volunteered their time. Uh, Camila Cantu was supposed to come through and yeah, Flaco Suave. Yeah. And you, I, I've Flaco. been wanting to get her and uh, what's her name? I think Raquel Soledad. Yep, yep. I, I don't know them, but 
but I've been keeping up with them. I yeah. see, you know, what they're doing. Camila Cantu been doing her Not thing. Yet. Camila's uh, killing it. Yeah, she's she is. Uh, I was just like, uh, she just did something with some mariachis out yeah. in California or something, yeah, she, I think. She, I think she was on a tour recently, too. Raquel, yes, Raquel, Raquel also, and I Raquel's think that is really amazing. Cool yeah, every time Raquel I look at it. choreography down point man yeah every time i look at my instagram bro she's like going in and i I hope maybe one day i can get them on here to share their story because that's what i love too is seeing so many females from our community you know being so creative and just so talented and just you know just so many talented doing their thing i love it like like you're saying you know touching on like artists you know visual artists from the neighborhood doing their thing um, and then, like, we have our, our performing artists also. I think women across the board are just having a, a really good run right yeah, now. Yeah, hell yeah. They we deserve it. We, yeah, they, they deserve it. it. We have to support that to the fullest. Support it to the fullest. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, man, let them know where they can find your music. Yeah. Um, um, you know, make sure you promote the Southwest Fest, where it's at, the yeah. dates, the yeah. times, all that good so stuff. You can uh, you can find me at Gabriel X Duran across all platforms. Uh, for the music, just Gabriel Duran and Search Bar. And uh, you can f- see us August 5th at L Club for the release party this Saturday. And August 19th for the third edition of Southwest Fest. Yeah. Man, I cannot wait, bro. I am super excited about it. Um, you know, big shout out to uh, my man, Eddie Martell. Uh, hashtag Mr. Not Guilty at Martell Law Firm. Uh, shout out to Danny Reyna and the DNR co- uh, Construction Company. And big shout out to L.A. Landscape, man. I appreciate all you guys and, uh, you know, all my people who've been, uh, you know, donating, sponsoring, showing love, showing support, sharing, subscribing, coming to the events, all that. Thank you. I appreciate you. That's how I'm going to get there. Uh, love having guests like, you know, Gabriel Duran somebody who's positive who is progressive and uh who is making a huge impact in our community to make sure that we're headed in a positive direction man you the man bro you definitely really inspired me man man. and um you know i look forward to you know working with you in the future and you know just being a part of of things you know glad to things to to be here for the first time no doubt man i'll see you guys next monday much love always keep an awesome guest you guys take it easy be safe love y'all This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.